Act Four of Inheritors by Susan Glassbell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four Scene At the Morton Place, the same room in which Silas Morton told his friend Felix Fedgeberry of his plan for the hill. The room has not altogether changed since that day in 1879. The table around which they dreamed for the race is in its old place. One of the old chairs is there, the other two are modern chairs. In a corner is the rocker in which Grandmother Morton sat. This is early afternoon, a week after the events of Act Two. Madeline is sitting at the table, in her hand a torn, wrinkled piece of brown paper, peering at writing almost too fine to read. After a moment, her hand goes out to a beautiful dish on the table, an old dish of colored Hungarian glass. She's about to take something from this, but instead lets her hand rest an instant on the dish itself, then turns and through the open door looks out at the hill, sitting where her grandfather Morton sat when he looked out at the hill. Her father, Ira Morton, appears outside, walking past the window, left. He enters, carrying a grain sack, partly filled. He seems hardly aware of Madeline, but taking a chair near the door, turned from her, opens the sack, and takes out a couple of ears of corn. As he is bent over them, examining in a shrewd, greedy way, Madeline looks at that lean, tormented, rather desperate profile, the look of one confirming a thing she fears, then takes up her piece of paper. Do you remember Fred Jordan, father? Friend of our Fred, and of mine. Ira, not wanting to take his mind from the corn. No, I don't remember him. His voice has that timber of one not related to others. He's in prison now. Well, I can't help that. After taking out another ear. This is the best corn I ever had. He says it gloatingly to himself. He got this letter out to me, written on this scrap of paper. They don't give him paper. Peering. Written so fine I can hardly read it. He's in what they call the hold, father. A punishment cell. With difficulty reading it. It's two and a half feet at one end, three feet at the other, and six feet long. He'd been there ten days when he wrote this. He gets two slices of bread a day. He gets water. That's all he gets. This because he bawled the deputy warden out for chaining another prisoner up by the wrists. Well, he'd have better minded his own business, and you better mind yours. I've got no money to spend in the courts. With excitement. On that mortgage's farm, it's been clear since the day my father's father got it from the government, and it stays clear till I'm gone. It grows the best corn in the state, best corn in the Mississippi Valley. Not for anything, you hear me? Would I mortgage this farm my father handed down to me? Madeline, hurt. Well, father, I'm not asking you to. Then go and see your Uncle Felix. Make it up with him. He'll help you if you say you're sorry. I'll not go to Uncle Felix. Who will you go to, then? Pause. Who will help you, then? Again he waits. You come before this United States Commissioner with no one behind you, he'll hold you for the grand jury. Judge Watkins told Felix there's not a doubt of it. You know what that means? It means you're on your way to a cell. Nice thing for Morton, people who've had their own land since we got it from the Indians. What's the matter with your uncle? Ain't he always been good to you? I'd like to know what things would have been for you without Felix and Isabel and all their friends. You want to think a little. You like good times too well to throw all that away. I do like good times. So does Fred Jordan like good times. Smooths the wrinkled paper. I don't know anybody, unless it is myself, loves to be out as he does. 
she tries to look out but cannot sits very still seeing what it is pain to see rises goes to that corner closet the same one from which silas morton took the deed to the hill she gets a yardstick looks in a box and finds a piece of chalk on the floor she marks off fred jordan's cell slowly at the end left unchalked as for a door she goes in her hand goes up as against a wall looks at her other hand sees it is out too far brings it in giving herself the width of the cell walks its length halts looks up and one window too high up to see out in the moment she stands there she is in that cell she is all the people who are in those cells emil johnson appears from outside he is the young man brought up on a farm a crudely americanized swede madeline stepping out of the cell door and around it hello emil how are you madeline how do mr morton ira barely nods and does not turn in an excited manner he begins gathering up the corn he has taken from the sack emil turns back to madeline well i'm just from the courthouse looks like you and i might take a ride together madeline you come before the commissioner at four what have you got to do with it oh emil has a courthouse job now father he's part of the law well he's not going to take you to the law anybody else not emil johnson madeline astonished and gently to make up for his rudeness my father why not emil since i'm going i think it's nice to go in with someone i know with a neighbor like emil if this is what he lived for if this is why he twists the ear of corn until some of the kernels drip off madeline and emil look at one another in bewilderment it's too bad anybody has to take madeline in i should think your uncle could fix it up and with your father taking it like this to help ira that's fine corn mr morton my corn's getting better all the time but i'd like to get some of this for seed ira rising and turning on him you get my corn i raise this corn for you not to them his mind now going where it is shut off from any other mind i can make the wind stand still i want to turn the wind around madeline going to him my father i don't understand at all nobody understands a curse with a sob in it god damn the wind sits down his back to them emil after a silence well i'll go but he continues to look at ira who is holding the sack of corn shut as if someone may take it too bad stopped by a sign from madeline not to speak of it well i was saying i have to go on to beard's crossing i'll stop for you on my way back confidentially couldn't you telephone your uncle he could do something you don't know what you're up against you heard what the hindus got i suppose no i haven't seen anyone today they're held for the grand jury they're locked up now no bail for them i've got the inside dope about them they're going to get what this country can hand them then after we've given them a nice little taste of prison life in america they're going to be sent back home to see what india can treat them to why are you so pleased about this emil pleased it's nothing to me i'm just telling you guess you don't know much about the espionage act or you go and make a little friendly call on your uncle when your case comes to trial and judge lennon may be on the bench he's one fiend for americanism but if your uncle was to tell the right parties that you're just a girl and didn't realize what you were saying i did realize what i was saying and every word you've just said makes me know i meant what i said i said if this was what our country has come to then i'm not for our country i said that and a plenty more and i'll say it again well gee you don't know what it means i do know what it means but it means not being a coward oh well lord you can't say everything you think 
If everybody did that, things would be worse off than they are now. Once in a while you have to say what you think, or hate yourself. Emile, with a grin. Then hate yourself. Madeline, smiling too. No, thank you. It spoils my fun. Well, look a here, Madeline. Aren't you spoiling your fun now? You're a girl who'd like to be out. Ain't I seen you from our place, with this one and that one? Sometimes all by yourself, striking out over the country as if you was crazy about it. How'd you like to be where you couldn't even see out? Madeline, a step nearer the cell. There oughtn't to be such places. Oh, well, Jesus, if you're going to talk about that. You can't change the way things are. Madeline, quietly. Why can't I? Well, say, who do you think you are? I think I'm an American. And for that reason, I think I have something to say about America. Huh? America will lock you up for your pains. All right. If it's come to that, maybe I'd rather be a locked-up American than a free American. I don't think you'd like the place, Madeline. There's not much tennis played there. Jesus, what's Hindus? You aren't really asking Jesus, are you, Emile? Smiles. You mightn't like his answer. Emile, from the door. Take a tip. Telephone your uncle. He goes. Ira, not looking at her. There might be a fine. And they'd come down on me and take my land. Oh, no, Father, I think not. Anyway, I have a little money of my own. Grandfather Morton left me something. Have you forgotten that? No. No, I know he left you something. The words seemed to bother him. I know he left you something. I got it today. This is my birthday, Father. I'm twenty-one. Your birthday? Twenty-one? Is that twenty-one years ago? It is not to his daughter this has turned him. It's the first birthday I can remember that I haven't had a party. It was your Aunt Isabel gave you your parties. Yes. Well, you see now. Madeline, stoutly. Oh, well, I don't need a party. I'm grown up now. She reaches out for the old Hungarian dish on the table. Holding it, she looks to her father, whose back is still turned. Her face tender, she is about to speak when he speaks. Grown up now, and going off and leaving me alone. You too. The last one. And what for? Turning, looking around the room as for those long gone. Used to be so many in this house. My grandmother, she sat there. Pointing to the place near the open door. Fine days like this, in that chair. Points to the rocker. She'd sit there, tell me stories of the Indians. Father, it wasn't ever lonely when father was. Then Madeline Fayavari. My Madeline came to this house lived with me in this house, then one day she walked out of this house, through that door, through that field, out of this house. Bitter silence. Then Fred, out of this house. Now you, with Emil Johnson. Insanely, and almost with relief at leaving things more sane. Don't let him touch my corn. If he touches one kernel of this corn. With the suspicion of the tormented mind. I wonder where he went. How do I know he went where he said he was going? Getting up. I don't know that South Bend's locked. Oh, father! I'll find out. How do I know what he's doing? He goes out, turning left. Madeline goes to the window and looks after him. A moment later, hearing someone at the door, she turns and finds her Aunt Isabel, who has appeared from right. Goes swiftly to her, hands out. Oh, Auntie, I'm glad you came. It's my birthday and I'm... lonely. You dear little girl. Again giving her a hug, which Madeline returns lovingly. Don't I know it's your birthday? Don't think that day will ever get by while your Aunt Isabel's around. 
just see what's here for your birthday. Hands her the package she is carrying. Madeline, with a gasp, suspecting from its shape. Oh! Her face aglow. Why, is it? Aunt Isabel, laughing affectionately. Foolish child, open it and see. Madeline loosens the paper and pulls out a tennis racket. Madeline, excited and moved. Oh, Aunt Isabel, that was dear of you. I shouldn't have thought you'd quite do that. I couldn't imagine Madeline without a racket. Gathering up the paper, lightly reproachful. But be a little careful of it, Madeline. It's meant for tennis balls. They laugh together. Madeline, making a return with it. It's a peach. Changing. Wonder where I'll play now. Why, you'll play on the courts at Morton College. Who has a better right? Oh, I don't know. It's pretty much balled up, isn't it? Yes. We'll have to get it straightened out. Gently. It was really dreadful of you, Madeline, to rush out a second time. It isn't as if they were people who were anything to you. But, Auntie, they are something to me. Oh, dear. That's what Horace said. What's what Horace said? That you must have a case on one of them. That's what Horace would say. That makes me sore. I'm sorry I spoke of it. Horace is absurd in some ways. He's a— Aunt Isabel, stopping it with her hand. No, he isn't. He's a headstrong boy, but a very loving one. He's dear with me, Madeline. Yes, you are good to each other. Her eyes are drawn to the cell. Of course we are. We'd be a pretty poor sort if we weren't. And these days, when we have to stand together, all of us who are the same kind of people must stand together, because the thing that makes us the same kind of people is threatened. Don't you think we're rather threatening it ourselves, Auntie? Why, no. We're fighting for it. Fighting for what? For Americanism. For democracy. Horace is fighting for it? Well, Horace does go at it as if it were a football game, but his heart's in the right place. Somehow I don't seem to see my heart in that place. In what place? Where Horace's heart is. It's too bad you and Horace quarrel. But you and I don't quarrel, Madeline. Madeline, again drawn to the cell. No, you and I don't quarrel. She is troubled. Funny child. Do you want us to? Madeline turns, laughing a little takes the dish from the table, holds it out to her aunt. Have some fudge, Auntie. Aunt Isabel, taking the dish. Do you use them? The old Hungarian dishes? I'm not allowed to. Your uncle is so choice of the few pieces we have. And here are you with fudge in one of them. I made the fudge because, oh, I don't know, I had to do something to celebrate my birthday. Aunt Isabel, under her breath. Deary. And then that didn't seem to make a birthday. So I happened to see this way up on a top shelf, and I remembered that it was my mother's. It was nice to get it down and use it, almost as if mother was giving me a birthday present. And how she would love to give you a birthday present. It was her mother's, I suppose, and they brought it from Hungary. Yes, they brought only a very few things with them and left, oh, so many beautiful ones behind. Rather nice of them, wasn't it? Her aunt waits inquiringly to leave their own beautiful things, their own beautiful life behind, simply because they believed life should be more beautiful for more people. Aunt Isabel, with constraint. Yes. Gaily turning it. 
Well, now, as to the birthday, what do you suppose Sarah is doing this instant? Putting red frosting on white frosting? Writing it with her finger. Madeline, what do you suppose Horace is doing? This a little reproachfully. Running around buying twenty-one red candles. Twenty-two. One to grow on. Big birthday cake. Party tonight. But, Auntie, I don't see how I can be there. Listen, dear, now we've got to use our wits and all pull together. Of course we'd do anything in the world rather than see you left to outsiders. I've never seen your uncle so worried and truly, Madeline, as sad. Oh, my dear, it's these human things that count. What would life be without the love we have for each other? The love we have for each other? Why, yes, dearest. Don't turn away from me, Madeline. Don't, don't be strange. I wonder if you realize how your uncle has worked to have life a happy thing for all of us. Be a little generous to him. He's had this great burden of bringing something from another day on into this day. It is not as simple as it may seem. He's done it as best he could. It will hurt him as nothing has ever hurt him if you now undo that work of his life. Truly, dear, do you feel you know enough about it to do that? Another thing, people are a little absurd out of their own places. We need to be held in our relationships against our background. Or we are, I don't know, grotesque. Come now, Madeline, where's your sense of humor? Isn't it a little absurd for you to leave home over India's form of government? It's not India. It's America. A sense of humor is nothing to hide behind. Aunt Isabel, with a laugh. I knew I wouldn't be a success at world affairs. Better leave that to Professor Holden. A quick keen look from Madeline. They've driven on to the river. They'll be back for me, and then he wants to stop in for a visit with you while I take Mrs. Holden for a further ride. I'm worried about her. She doesn't gain strength at all since her operation. I'm going to try keeping her out in the air all I can. It's dreadful about families. Dreadful? Professor Holton's devotion to his wife is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And is that all you see in it? You mean the responsibility it brings. Oh, well, that's what life is. Doing for one another. Sacrificing for one another. I hope I never have a family. Well, I hope you do. You'll miss the best of life if you don't. Anyway, you have a family. Where is your father? I don't know. I'd like to see him. There's no use seeing him today. He's... Strange. Shut in. Afraid something's going to be taken from him. Poor Ira. So much has been taken from him. And now you. Don't hurt him again, Madeline. He can't bear it. You see what it does to him. He has the wrong idea about things. The wrong idea? Oh, my child, that's awfully young and hard. It's so much deeper than that. Life has made him into something. Something he can't escape. Madeline, with what seems sullenness. Well, I don't want to be made into that thing. Of course not. But you want to help him, don't you? Now, dear, about your birthday party. The United States Commissioner is giving me my birthday party. Well, he'll have to put his party off. Your uncle has been thinking it all out. 
we're to go to his office and you'll have a talk with him and with judge watkins he's off the state supreme bench now practicing again and as a favor to your uncle he will be your lawyer you don't know how relieved we are at this for judge watkins can do anything he wants to do practically then you and i will go on home and call up some of the crowd to come in and dance to-night we have some beautiful new records there's a hungarian waltz and what's the price of all this auntie the oh you mean why simply say you felt sorry for the hindu students because they seemed rather alone that you hadn't realized what they were hadn't thought out what you were saying and that i'm sorry and will never do it again i don't know that you need to say it it would be gracious i think to indicate it i'm sorry you had the cake made i suppose you can eat it anyway i turning away can't eat it why madeline seeing how she has hurt her madeline goes out to her aunt auntie dear i'm sorry if i hurt your feelings aunt isabel quick to hold out a loving hand laughing a little they've been good birthday cakes haven't they madeline i don't know what i'd have done without them don't know what i will do without them don't try to please don't see it just let me go on helping you that's all i ask she draws madeline to her oh dearie i held you when you were a little baby without your mother all those years count for something madeline there's just nothing to life if years of love don't count for something listening i think i hear them and here we are weeping like two idiots madeline brushes away tears aunt isabel arranges her veil regaining her usual poise professor holden was hoping you'd take a tramp with him wouldn't that do you good anyway a talk with him will be nice i know he admires you immensely and really perhaps i shouldn't tell you this sympathizes with your feeling so i think his mature way of looking at things will show you just the adjustment you need to become a really big and useful person there's so much to be done in the world madeline of course we ought to make it a better world in a manner of agreement with madeline i feel very strongly about all that perhaps we can do some things together i'd love that don't think i'm hopeless way down deep we have the same feeling yes here's professor holden holden comes in he seems older and how are you madeline holding out his hand i'm all right many happy returns of the day embarrassed by her half laugh the birthday and did you have a nice look up the river i never saw this country as lovely as it is today mary is just drinking it in you don't think the further ride will be too much oh no not in that car then we'll go on perhaps as far as laughing creek if you two decide on a tramp take that road and we'll pick you up smiling warmly she goes out how good she is yes that's just the trouble holden with difficulty getting past this how about a little tramp there'll never be another such day i used to tramp with fred jordan this is where he is now stepping inside the cell he doesn't even see out it's all wrong that he should be where he is but for you to stay indoors won't help him madeline it won't help him but today i can't go out 
I'm sorry, my child, when this sense of wrongs done first comes down upon one, it does crush. And later you get used to it and don't care. You care. You try not to destroy yourself needlessly. He turns from her look. Play safe. If it's playing safe, it's that one you love more than yourself be safe. It would be a luxury to uh, destroy oneself. That sounds like Uncle Felix. Seeing she has hurt him, she goes over and sits across from him at the table. I'm sorry. I say the wrong things today. I don't know that you do. But isn't Uncle funny? His left mind doesn't know what his right mind is doing. He has to think of himself as a person of sentiment, idealism, and quite a job at times. Clever how he gets away with it. The war must have been a godsend to people who were in danger of getting on to themselves. But I shouldn't think you could fool all of yourself all of the time. You don't. He is rubbing his hand on the table. Grandfather Morton made this table. I suppose he and Grandfather Fedgevary used to sit here and talk. They were great old pals. Slowly Holden turns and looks out at the hill. Yes. How beautiful the hill must have been before there was a college there. He looks away from the hill. Did you know Grandfather Morton? Yes, I knew him. Speaking of it against his will. I had a wonderful talk with him once about Greece and cornfields and life. I'd like to have been a pioneer. Some ways they had it fierce, but think of the fun they had. A whole big land to open up. A big new life to begin. Her hands closing in from wideness to a smaller thing. Why did so much get shut out? Just a little way back. Anything might have been. What happened? Holden, speaking with difficulty. It got set too soon. Madeline, all of her mind open, trying to know. And why did it? Prosperous, I suppose. That seems to set things, set them in fear. Silas Morton wasn't afraid of Felix Fedgevary, the Hungarian revolutionist. He laid this country at that refugee's feet. That's what Uncle Felix says himself, with the left half of his mind. Now the Hindu revolutionists. I took a walk late yesterday afternoon. Night came. And for some reason I thought of how many nights have come, nights the earth has known long before we knew the earth. The moon came up, and I thought of how moonlight made this country beautiful before any man knew that moonlight was beautiful. It gave me a feeling of coming from something a long way back, moving toward what will be here when I'm not here. Moving. We seem here, now, in America, to have forgotten we're moving. Think it's just us, just now. Of course, that would make us afraid and ridiculous. Her father comes in. Your Aunt Isabel. Did she go away and leave you? She's coming back. For you? She wants me to go with her. This is Professor Holden, father. How do you do, Mr. Morton? Ira nods, not noticing Holden's offered hand. How do? When is she coming back? Soon. And then you're going with her? I don't know. I say you go with her. You want them all to come down on us? To Holden. What are you here for? Aunt Isabel brought Professor Holden, father. Oh, then you... you tell her what to do. You make her do it. He goes into the room at left. Madeline, sadly, after a silence. Father's like something touched by an early frost. Yes. 
seeing his opening and forcing himself to take it. But do you know, Madeline, there are other ways of that happening? Touched by an early frost, I've seen it happen to people I know, people of fine and daring mind. They do a thing that puts them apart. It may be a big, brave thing, but the apartness does something to them. I've seen it many times, so many times, so many times. I fear for you. You do this thing, and you'll find yourself with people who in many ways you don't care for at all. Find yourself apart from people who in most ways are your own people. You are many-sided, Madeline. Moves her tennis racket. I don't know about it's all going to one side. I hate to see you so young close the door on so much life. I'm being just as honest with you as I know how. I myself am making compromises to stay within. I don't like it, but there are reasons for doing it. I can't see you leave that main body without telling you all it is you are leaving. It's not a clean-cut case, the side of the world or the side of the angels. <laughs> I hate to see you lose the fullness of life. Madeline, a slight start as she realizes the pause, as one recalled from far. I'm sorry. I was listening to what you were saying, but all the time something else was happening. Grandfather Morton, big and, oh, terrible. He was here, and we went to that walled-up hole in the ground. Rising and pointing down at the chalked cell where they keep Fred Jordan on bread and water because he couldn't be a part of nations of men killing each other. And Silas Morton. Only he was all that is back of us, tore open that cell. It was his voice tore it open. His voice as he cried, God damn you, this is America. Sitting down, as if rallying from a tremendous experience. I'm sorry. It should have happened while you were speaking. Won't you go on? That's a pretty hard thing to go on against. After a moment. I can't go on. You were thinking of leaving the college and then decided to stay? He nods. And you feel there's more? Fullness of life for you inside the college than outside? No, not exactly. Again a pause. It's very hard for me to talk to you. Perhaps we needn't do it. Holden. Something in him forcing him to say it. I'm staying for financial reasons. Madeline, kind, but not going to let the truth get away. You don't think that having to stay within, or deciding to, rather, makes you think these things of the blight of being without? I think there is danger to you in, so young, becoming alien to society. As great as the danger of staying within, and becoming like the thing I'm within. You wouldn't become like it. Why wouldn't I? That's what it does to the rest of you. I don't see it, this fullness of life business. I don't see that Uncle Felix has got it, or even Aunt Isabel and you. I think that in buying it, you're losing it. I don't think you know what a cruel thing you are saying. There must be something pretty rotten about Morton College if you have to sell your soul to stay in it. You don't sell your soul. You persuade yourself to wait. Madeline, unable to look at him, as if feeling shame. 
you have had a talk with Uncle Felix since that day in the library you stepped aside for me to pass. Yes, and with my wife's physician. If you sell your soul, it's to love you sell it. That's strange. It's love that brings life along, and then it's love holds life back. Holden, and all the time with this effort against hopelessness. Leaving me out of it, I'd like to see you give yourself a little more chance for detachment. You need a better intellectual equipment if you're going to fight the world you find yourself in. I think you will count for more if you wait. And when you strike, strike more maturely. Detachment. This is one thing they do at this place. She moves to the open door. Chain them up to the bars, just like this. In the doorway where her two grandfathers once pledged faith with the dreams of a million years, she raises clasped hands as high as they will go. Day after day. Just hold your arms up like this one hour, then sit down and think about. As if tortured by all who have been so tortured, her body begins to give with sobs. Arms drop. The last word is a sob. Detachment. Holden is standing helplessly by when her father comes in. Don't cry. No, not in this house. I can't. Your aunt and uncle will fix it up. The law won't take you this time, and you won't do it again. Oh, what does that matter? What they do to me? What are you crying about, then? It's the world. It's— The world? That's all you've got to cry about? To Holden. Tell her that's nothing to cry about. What's the matter with you, Madeline? That's crazy, crying about the world. What good has ever come to this house through caring about the world? What's good's that college? Better we had that hill. Why is there no one in this house today but me and you? Where's your mother? Where's your brother? The world. I think your father would like to talk to you. I'll go outside, walk a little, and come back uh, for you with your aunt. You must let us see you through this, Madeline. You couldn't bear the things it would bring you to. I see that now. As he passes her in the doorway, his hand rests an instant on her bent head. You're worth too much to break. Ira, turning away. I don't want to talk to you. What good comes of talking? In moving, he has stepped near the sack of corn, takes hold of it. But not with Emil Johnson. That's not what your mother died for. Father, you must talk to me. What did my mother die for? No one has ever told me about her except that she was beautiful, not like other people here. I got a feeling of something from far away, something from long ago, rare. Why can't Uncle Felix talk about her? Why can't you? Wouldn't she want me to know her? Tell me about her. It's my birthday, and I need my mother. Ira, as if afraid he is going to do it. How can you touch what you've not touched in nineteen years? Just once. In nineteen years, and that did no good. Try, even though it hurts. Didn't you used to talk to her? Well, I'm her daughter. Talk to me. What has she to do with Emile Johnson? Ira, the pent-up thing loosed. What has she to do with him? She died so he could live. He lives because she's dead. And what is he alongside her? Yes, something from far away. Something from long ago. Rare. How do you know that? 
finding in me what I didn't know was there. Then she came, that ignorant Swede, Emil Johnson's mother, running through that cornfield like a crazy woman. Miss Morton, Miss Morton, come help me. My children are choking. Diphtheria they had, the whole of them. But out of this house she ran, my Madeline leaving you, her own baby, running as fast as she could through the cornfield after that immigrant woman. She stumbled in the rough field, fell to her knees. That was the last I saw of her. She choked to death in that Swede's house. They lived. Madeline, going to him. Oh, father. Voice rich. But how lovely of her. Lovely. Lovely to leave you without a mother. Leave me without her after I'd had her. Wasn't she worth more than them? Yes. She was worth so much that she never stopped to think how much she was worth. If you'd known her, you couldn't take it like that. And now you cry about the world. That's what the world is, all coming to nothing. My father used to sit there at that table and talk about the world. My father and her father. They thought it was all for something. And what you were went on into something more than you. That's the talk I always heard in this house. But it's just talk. The rare thing that came here was killed by the common thing that came here. It just happens. And happens cruel. Look at your brother. Gone. Like that. I told him not to go to war. He didn't have to go. They'd been glad enough to have him stay here on the farm. But no. He must. Make the world safe for democracy. Well... You see how safe he made it, don't you? Now I'm alone on the farm, and he buried on some Frenchman's farm. That is, I hope they buried him. I hope they didn't just... Tormented. Oh, father, of course not. I know they did. How do you know? What do you care, once they got him? He talked about the world, better world, and war. Now he's in his grave. I hope he is. And look at the front page of the paper. No such thing. War to end war. But he thought there was, father. Fred believed that. So what else could he do? He couldn't mind his own business. No. Oh, no. It was fine of him to give his life to what he believed should be. The light in his eyes, he talked of it. Now, eyes gone, and the world he died for, all hate and war, waste. Waste. Nothing but waste. The life of this house. Why, folks today laugh to hear my father talk. He gave his best land for ideas to live. Thought was going to make us a better people. What was his word? Aspiration. Says it as if it is a far-off thing. Well, look at your friend, young Jordan. Kicked from the college to prison for ideas of a better world. <laughs> his aspiration puts him on a whole bread and water. So, mind your own business. That's all that's so in this country. Constantly tormented anew. Oh, I told your brother all that. The night I tried to keep him, told him about his mother, to show what come of running to other folks. And he said, standing right there, pointing, eyes all bright, he said, golly, I think that's great. And then he walked out of this house. Fear takes him. Madeline. She stoops over him, her arm around him. Don't you leave me all alone in this house where so many once was. What's Hindus alongside your own father and him needing you? 
It won't be long. After a little, I'll be dead. Or crazy, or something. But not here alone, where so many once was. Oh, Father, I don't know what to do. Nothing stays at home. Not even the corn stays at home. If only the wind wouldn't blow. Why can't I have my field to myself? Why can't I keep what's mine? All these years I've worked to make it better. I want it to be the most that it could be. My father used to talk about the Indians, how our land was their land, and how we must be more than them. He had his own ideas of being more. Well, what's that come to? The Indians lived happier than we. Wars, strikes, prisons. But I've made the corn more. This land that was once Indian maize now grows corn. I'd like to have the Indians see my corn. I'd like to see them side by side. Their Indian maize, my corn. And how'd I get it? Huh. By thinking. Always trying. Changing. Caring. Plant this corn by that corn, and the pollen blows from corn to corn. The golden dust it blows in the sunshine and of nights. Blowing from corn to corn like a gift. No, you don't understand it, but corn don't stay what it is. You can make it anything, according to what you do, according to the corn it's alongside. But that's it. I want it to stay in my field. It goes away. The prevailing wind takes it on to the Johnsons. Them Swedes that took my Madeline. I hear it. Oh, nights when I can't keep myself, and in sunshine I can see it. Pollen, soft golden dust to make new life, going on to them, and them too ignorant to know what's making their corn better. I want my field to myself. What I work my life for, work that's had to take the place of what I lost, is that to go to Emil Johnson? No, that wind shall stand still. I'll make it. I'll find a way. Let me alone, and I'll think it out. Let me alone, I say. A mind burned to one idea. With greedy haste, he shuts himself in the room at left. Madeline has been standing there, as if mist is parting and letting her see. And as the vision grows, power grows in her. She is thus flooded with richer life, when her aunt and Professor Holden come back. Feeling something new, for a moment they do not speak. Ready, dear? It's time for us to go now. Madeline, with the quiet of plentitude. I'm going in with Emil Johnson. Why, Madeline, we thought you'd go with us. No. I have to be the most I can be. I want the wind to have something to carry. Aunt Isabel, after a look at Professor Holden, who is looking intensely at Madeline. I don't understand. The world is all a moving field. Her hands move. Voice, too, is of a moving field. Nothing is to itself. If America thinks so, America is like father. I don't feel alone any more. The wind has come through, wind rich from lives now gone. Grandfather Fedgeberry, gift from a field far off. Silas Morton. No, not alone any more. And afraid. I'm not even afraid of being absurd. But, Madeline, you're leaving your father? Madeline, after thinking it out. I'm not leaving what's greater in him than he knows. You're leaving Morton College? That runt on a high hill. Yes, I'm leaving Grandfather's College. 
then maybe I can one day lie under the same sod with him and not be ashamed. Though I must tell you, <laughs> under the sod is my idea of no place to be. I want to be a long time where the wind blows. Aunt Isabel, who is trying not to cry. I'm afraid it won't blow in prison, dear. I don't know. Might be the only place it would blow. Emile passes the window, hesitates at the door. I'll be ready in just a moment, Emile. He waits outside. Madeline, I didn't tell you. I hoped it wouldn't be necessary, but your uncle said if you refused to do it his way, he could do absolutely nothing for you. Not even bail. Of course not. I wouldn't expect him to. He feels so deeply about these things, America, loyalty. He said if you don't come with us it would be final, Madeline, even between you and me. I'm sorry, Auntie. You know how I love you. And her voice tells it. But Father has been telling me about the corn. It gives itself away all the time, the best corn a gift to other corn. What you are, that doesn't stay with you. Then— Not with assurance, but feeling her way. Be the most you can be, so life will be more because you were. Freed by the truth she has found. Oh, do that. Why do we three go apart? Professor Holden, his beautiful trained mind. Aunt Isabel, her beautiful love, love that could save the world if only you'd throw it to the winds. Moving nearer Holden, hands out to him. Why do— Seeing it is not to be, she turns away. Lo, with sorrow for that great beauty lost. Oh, have we brought mind, have we brought heart up to this place? only to turn them against mind and heart. Holden, unable to bear more. I think we must go. Going to Madeline, holding out his hand and speaking from his sterile life to her fullness of life. Goodbye, Madeline. Good luck. Goodbye, Professor Holden. Luck to you. Shaking his head, stooped, he hurries out. Madeline, after a moment when neither can speak. Goodbye. Auntie dearest. Thank you. For the birthday present. The cake. Everything. Everything. All the years. There is something Aunt Isabel would say, but she can only hold tight to Madeline's hands. At last, with a smile that speaks for love, a little nod, she goes. Emile comes in. You better go with them, Madeline. It'd make it better for you. Oh, no. It wouldn't. I'll be with you in an instant, Emile. I want to— Say goodbye to my father. But she waits before that door, a door hard to go through. Alone, Emile looks around the room, sees the bag of corn, takes a couple of ears, and is looking at them as Madeline returns. She remains by the door, shaken with sobs, turns, as if pulled back to the pain she has left. Gee, this is great corn. Madeline, turning now to him. It is, isn't it, Emile? None like it. And you say... Your corn is getting better. Oh, yes, I raise better corn every year now. That's nice. I'll be right out, Emile. He puts the corn back, goes out. From the closet, Madeline takes her hat and wrap. Putting them on, she sees the tennis racket on the table. She goes to it, takes it up, holds it a moment, then takes it to the closet, puts it carefully away, closes the door behind it. A moment she stands there in the room, as if listening to something. Then she leaves that house. Curtain 
End of Act 4 End of Inheritors by Susan Glassbell